I might just get you to tell me your name, Brendan, so I can make sure your audio is recording. My name is Brendan Hufford. Perfect. All good. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 86 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Brendan Hufford. Brendan owns a jiu-jitsu clothing business. He also is host of the Entrepreneurs and Coffee podcast, and it turns out he also has a full-time job as a school assistant principal, which I did not know and came as a complete surprise to me. Brendan this week is giving away a free Skype consultation with himself to help you in any part of your business. And I love the fact that Brendan is not a WordPress consultant. He's a WordPress user. So we're getting a completely different angle this week on WordPress and also some of the challenges that we have in business. And some of those challenges are not unique to us WordPress consultants. So there's lots of good stuff in here stay with us let's elevate this is the wp elevation podcast helping wordpress consultants elevate This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. The original plugin from 2008 that puts video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use WooCommerce, SEO by Yoast, how to use Gravity Forms, and how to set up and read their Google Analytics reports. You can set up the plugin just the way you like it and then save that as your master profile. And then when you install the plugin on new client sites, it's just a matter of ticking one box to get the plugin up and running in a matter of seconds. The Video User Manuals plugin is $24 a month or $240 a year. And you can take the Video User Manuals plugin for a spin on all of your client sites for just $1 for your first 30 days by going to videousermanuals.com slash podcast. That's videousermanuals.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to access the plugin there for just $1 for your first month. Support for WP Elevation also comes from Audible. Audible has over 180,000 titles in their library of audiobooks. I love audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks whenever I'm not listening to podcasts. You can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a free 30-day trial by visiting wpelevation.com slash audible. That's wpelevation.com slash audible. Download a free audiobook right now and get a free 30-day trial of Audible and start enjoying audiobooks when you're not listening to our podcast. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me Brendan Hufford. Hey, Brendan, how are you doing? I am ecstatic to be here, Troy. How are you? Awesome. I'm very good too, thank you, and I'm very excited to be here too. I was just saying uh, uh, off mic before, um, this is like the, like seriously, I think this is like the sixth or seventh time that we've tried to do this interview, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, for those that don't know, uh, we're going to talk about podcasting, we're going to talk about uh, entrepreneurship, um, but before we get there, uh, quick competition announcement. Brendan has very kindly uh, is offering a one-on-one Skype chat with his good self uh, as the prize for this week's competition. Uh, stick around for details on how to enter that competition a little bit later on, and hopefully by the time we announce how to enter that competition, you'll be as excited uh, as I am uh, for that competition because I'm sure Brendan is going to be able to help you a lot in your business. So, hey, before we start geeking off about the internet and all things entrepreneurial, when you were a kid, Brendan Huffin, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a baseball player. Mm. I wanted to be the shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, that's very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Unfortunately, my favorite baseball player ever also had that position, so I couldn't have it, I guess, because it it wasn't very thought out, but that's what I wanted to be. Awesome. So you basically just wanted to be your hero when you grew up. Yep. Yep. Cool. Perfect. Um, 
And uh, so it's really interesting because baseball is not huge in Australia as it is in America. And so it's actually a really common – well, I mean, it's kind of a common answer to that question. It's usually like astronaut, superhero, or baseball player. <laughs> um, whereas in Australia, it's, well, there was no hope of Australians ever becoming an astronaut. Um, all the superheroes kind of come out of the Marvel uh, comics, so that's an American franchise thing. And baseball here kind of goes under the radar. Uh-huh. So it's really interesting. We never get that from an Australian guest. <laughs> Uh, when did you? Well, just- I mean, if it's a little more, if it's a little more relevant, uh, when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a, a professional rugby player. Ah, and yeah, then right. I had a couple friends who were visiting us from South Africa and a couple other ones from Australia, and I realized that I was horrible at rugby <laughs> compared to them, and I immediately shattered that dream. <laughs> so, at what point did you? Dis- oh, by the way, did you ever play uh, baseball? Uh, just when I was younger, and then when I was in high school, I did hockey and rugby. Right, cool. Um, so, at what point did you discover the internet and and realize that it was going to be somewhere that you were going to devote some effort? Oh, I think I discovered the internet when I was in high school with America Online and dial up and i looked i spent most of my time like looking at stuff about video games and computer games and comic books and then when i was in college we had like the high speed college internet where everything loaded super fast and at that point i kind of realized that it, it was going to be something and it was going to be important to me and important to my life but it wasn't until i got a job teaching and i built my first website uh, which was a WordPress.com website, just a little blog for the local Brazilian jiu-jitsu scene here uh, in the Chicagoland area that uh, I really started to, you know, make it a big part of my life. Nice. Um and so uh, this is kind of an interesting question because you were speaking before uh, pre-interview that you're not a WordPress developer or a WordPress consultant, but you do in fact use WordPress for your website, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, when did you discover WordPress and, and kind of what, what, were you, what were you looking for when you discovered WordPress? Honestly, I was just looking to make a free blog somewhere and I had done a little bit of homework and I saw that uh, really you had two options at that point to me, uh, either going through blogger or going or like blogspot and, or mm-hmm. going through WordPress. And I tried both hated blogspot. <laughs> so WordPress was the thing. And then I also liked that I could then when I moved it to self-hosted later, uh-huh. that it would be an easier transfer than trying to go from blogspot. So I decided to go there and I made, it was like BJJ in com, And I just, milk that for all it was worth and then eventually bought the domain through wordpress.com and just started my first website cool um so what so when was that roughly how long ago i'm just trying to work out like what how different wordpress was back then to what it is now all right so that was probably if i had done some homework i probably could look it up uh (laughs) maybe in like 2011 okay 2010 okay okay cool um so uh so as a WordPress user, like someone who actually uses WordPress on a day-to-day basis, and this is completely not on the script, I thought I'd just throw this out there. What's the one thing that you wish WordPress did that it currently doesn't do? I wish that WordPress, hmm, that is a very fair question. So one of the, th- here, I guess we can address this point. When I do any sort of consultation or any sort of coaching with new people lately that want, like, that are not willing to learn uh, how to use WordPress, which isn't super difficult. It's one of those things it's not easy to learn the basics of, but it's difficult to be, like, really, really good at it and customize it. Um, at least I think for the average person. And I advise a lot of them to just look at, like, Squarespace. Mm. and just see if that's an option they want. It's a little bit easier to use. It's easy to get a really beautiful website up and running quickly. And um, I think that's where WordPress kind of, you know, with it being open source the way that it is, like the whole WordPress.org thing, you kind of run into this. It's only as strong as the people supporting it. It's, it's themes are only you know as strong as the people making them and stuff like that. And because there's so much competition, there's also a lot of crap out there. Mm. And I think that kind of overwhelms people that are new to it. 
there's a lot of questions on what theme do I pick, what plugins do I have, this and that and the other, and that overwhelm leads to inaction. Yeah. And I think, I think that getting people to take action could be a strength in the long run for WordPress as a system. Mm, I totally agree. And it's funny you mention that because, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a huge advocate of WordPress. It's been very good to me. We've built a good couple of good little businesses out of WordPress and we're very much in the WordPress space. But I occasionally have a client who comes along who is, you know, technically challenged and and, uh, Squarespace is somewhere where I might send them as well because I know that they're going to actually be able to get something up and running quicker than they are using WordPress just because of the user experience. And I know there's going to be lots of people listening to this who are going to flame me in the comments, but it's true. Like, you know, my mom, for example, I would never let her log into WordPress without some hand-holding, but I would certainly send her over to Squarespace and she could probably figure it out. I totally agree. Mm. Um, for those that don't know, because you're, you're, you're kind of like a little bit outside the usual radar of, uh, of people that we would have on this show. So what, like, what is it you actually do? Like, how do you, what's your elevator pitch, so to speak? My elevator pitch is I am an entrepreneur who owns a Brazilian jiu-jitsu clothing company and also has a podcast where I teach everything I learned starting that and growing it to the point that I have now. Now, how did I miss that? Because I did not know that you owned a Brazilian jiu-jitsu clothing company. I That's either a well-hidden secret or I'm really crap at doing my research. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have two websites that run on WordPress right now. I have a, my Gi Review website where, and this is where I started, other companies would send me you know, geese, jujitsu uniforms to wear and review and make videos and whatever, take silly pictures and stuff. Oh. And I built a really large following for that. I think we have almost 8,000 Facebook fans. We never run ads for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was really successful. But eventually I just saw other things I wished other companies would do and nobody would do it. So I decided to make my own company and that's called OK Kimonos. And the WordPress site that I use there, my store is on Big Cartel. Mm-hmm. But my blog for that is okkimonosblog.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm crazy and don't know how to use subdomains properly. So mm-hmm. instead of making it like blog.okkimonos or whatever, I just made a whole new website. It was a little right. bit, and this is what we're talking about with the WordPress thing. I was like, all right, I don't have time to learn how to do this or ask or figure it out. And I don't want to break my store. Yeah. So I'm just going to, it was actually easier for me to just make a new website. So that's yep. what I did. Yep. Sweet. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Um, so, uh, so what, so what do you actually, cause you're a podcaster too. And so full disclaimer mm-hmm. here, we actually met through the podcasters paradise community group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, which we can talk about a little bit more in, in more detail later on, but it's basically where John Lee Damas teaches how to, uh, John Lee Damas from Entrepreneur on Fire, of course, he teaches people how to create, grow and monetize a podcast. And we're both members in there and that's how we connected in there. So for those that don't know, like, for, for, I mean, and obviously most of our audience don't know who you are, you're, you're kind of brand new to our audience. What do you actually spend most of your time doing on a day-to-day basis? So on a day-to-day basis, I have I guess you could call it outsource most of the blogging that I do for Gi Reviews and OK Kimonos. I have teams of people that I sponsor. Uh, you know, I send them free stuff and quarterly and all sorts of stuff for jujitsu. But that takes care of the blogging, but I also have to do everything else. So on a day-to-day basis, I do the packing and shipping of orders for OK Kimonos. And I answer all the emails. I also do all of the social for everything. And then the rest of my time is spent uh, running Entrepreneurs in Coffee, my podcast, whether that's recording, editing, prepping for, or, you know, fixing up the website for Entrepreneurs in Coffee. That was, it was originally at entrepreneursandcoffee.com, but I've recently moved it to brendanhufford.com slash podcast, Mm -hmm. just because I want to focus more on my brand versus making the the podcast. You know, I want to be an entrepreneur who has a podcast versus just a podcaster, mm, if that makes sense. Yeah, gotcha. Um, wh- I think I understand, but why? What, what What's the motivation behind that? I, You know what? I just think in 2015 that if you're not building a personal brand and you're not putting yourself over, above, and beyond into your brand, you're really missing out on a lot of opportunities because 
if I'm really big in, and this is what's happening right now, I'm really big in the jujitsu space. And if I want to teach people about business there, there's a lot of people who come to me and they're like, hey man, I want to start a jujitsu brand too. And I'm one of the few people who will actually give away the keys to the kingdom. I'll tell people exactly how I did it. I don't care. Uh, I just want to help and support and serve other people. So, you know, that really, really sets me apart, but I'm building the Brendan Hufford brand by doing that and not just okay kimonos. Cause I'm not trying to sell them anything, but I want them to value me as a person. So later if I pivot or I do something else, they'll want to support whatever I do. Mm. You know, I, I don't care if Gary Vaynerchuk wants to write a book on cooking, I'll probably buy it because yeah. I'm just interested in what he has to say and how it's same with like Tim Ferriss. Yep. You know, that dude could write about anything and I will read the book about that. Yeah. And, so, and he does actually. He does. <laughs> it's like for, he our, does, right? for our work week, for our body, for our chef. <laughs> I bought all of them. Yep. I don't even care. Yeah. Um, I'm so, you know, it's, I know it's going to be good. And I know that if he's interested in it, it is worth having interest in. So that's because he, while he did put a lot into the four hour brand, the Tim Ferriss brand is is much bigger. You know, he didn't start the four hour podcast. He has the Tim Ferriss show. Mm. And I think that's kind of telling. Yeah. Um, so what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? The one thing that keeps me awake at night is how I'm going to continue to scale and grow my business. Right now, I am a fairly solo one-man show. I'm also a sidepreneur. I still have a full-time job. Really? I'm a high school. Yeah, I'm a high school assistant principal as well. What? Get out of here! Yeah, I'm a maniac. <laughs> when, when, do, okay, when do you sleep? <laughs> um, I like I. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I try to go to bed as early as humanly possible every single night. Wow. And I get up at 3 a.m. every single day so I can work before I go to work. Wow. And then, yeah, it's a lot. But I, you know what? Honestly, Troy, I feel very strongly that this is my nature to be like this. I'm happier and uh, in a better place than I've ever been working harder than I ever have in my whole life. Mm. And I think it's now my nature of being very entrepreneurial is now being is a lot more in congruence with how I'm nurturing myself. So they're a lot more in line and that makes me happier. So I don't mind at all. Mm. Um, so, so this might be, a, this might be a, a, a stupid question having, you know, what you've just said, but what do you do when you're not working? <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny. I watched, uh, there's this really cool filmmaker that I like. His name's Casey Neistat. And he's brilliant, but he said the other day, like, I like to work, I like to work out, and I like to stay home. Mm. And I thought to myself, that pretty much sums me up. Like, yeah. I like other people, but I like other people in those environments. I like to work with other people, work out with other people, or hang out at my house with other people. Mm. And, you know, that's really what I do. You know, it's it's my faith, my family, my work, and working out. And that's what I really enjoy. So if I'm not working out, or I'm sorry, if I'm not working, I'm probably working out or hanging out with my family. Mm, nice. And you've you've got you've got a couple of kids, right? Is that right? I just have one. It's one. my son Evan. He's almost two years old. Cool. Awesome. This is great. Your Skype image is just this really cute picture of you holding Evan kind of upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? How great is that? That was like our friends that are photographers uh, took a bunch of photos of us, and that was just me and him screwing around in between photos. <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> Uh, um, so talking about, okay, scaling and, and, and growing the business, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business this week, what would it be? I don't have to ship out orders anymore. Ah, nice. I can focus on the big picture stuff and the day to day and the answering of the emails and all of that stuff, uh, is over. So I'm curious, like, because this is, you know, this is really, this is a really common thread amongst any entrepreneur is, in fact, as I was leaving the office last night at about 6.30, I had this conversation with one of the other business owners here in this space that we work in. And, um, you know, we, we, he was saying, oh, as we're just passing in the hallway, he said, oh, are you winning? And I said, yeah, yeah, I think I'm winning. And then he stopped and he said, actually, what does winning look like to you? And I said, well, winning is like getting our processes right and our team right so that I can spend more time, you know, concentrating on where we're taking the business. And we kind of had an agreement around that. Um, but, what, but then we sort of started to get get into the nitty gritty of the like the tactical stuff. What would it mean? Like, what does it look like if you don't have to actually ship orders anymore? What would actually have to happen 
for you to achieve that? And the obvious question is like, you know, why why are you still shipping orders? Is it just because the processes aren't in place or you haven't found the right kind of automation or the right person to help you with that? Or like, I'm curious as to what tactically would need to happen in order for you not to worry about shipping orders. Well, I think the first thing I would have, you know, it's funny you say this because I was just talking about this with my mastermind group. Uh, they and I were talking about, you know, kind of the details of this. So first thing I would have to do, I put a lot into the shipping of my orders, Troy. Like you get it. And most people just ship jujitsu gis like every other company on the planet ships it either in like the flat rate mailer from U.S. Postal Service or FedEx. So it's got like FedEx and U.S. Postal Service branding all over it. Mm-hmm. Or they just ship it in one of those gray like poly mailer kind of bags. And mm-hmm. it's fine. Okay, but I ship it in a really nice like white box with really cool stickers all over the outside, a handwritten note on the outside, and a mm-hmm. sticker that says, stop before you open this, go to okkimonosblog.com slash best and you know, load it on your phone or your computer while you're opening it. And they do that, and while they're opening their box, it starts playing the You're the Best song from Karate Kid. <laughs> and then they open the box, and it says, like, hey, Troy, like handwritten note on the inside, hey, Troy, you're the best. Thanks so much for your order, Brendan. And they unwrap, it's like orange tissue paper, and there's orange confetti paper everywhere, and like stickers and buttons and 90s trading cards that has nothing to do with anything. I just like putting those in because it makes me happy. And I do all of this work in there, right? And I I have to survey people a little bit more and find out if they just, do they even give a crap about this? Mm. Is it just me and like the 10 people? It's great because people then share it on social and they advertise for me. But I don't think, I secretly don't think that many people care. Could you like, uh, is the fear, I guess, that, you know, if you outsource that or delegate it to someone else that they just won't actually take as much care with it as you do yeah or that my my fans like the people who really enjoy that about it would be like super let down right if it's not as good and i guess a big thing is just you know converting that into a very minimal product like what could i do to minimize that to make it easier for somebody else who's going to do the distribution like what could if they're going to ship it in a poly mailer what little packet can I put together that's really easy that I could then outsource? Like I could have one of my buddies from jujitsu help me on a Saturday and we could stuff a thousand of these or something Mm. and then send those to the shipper and they could throw it in with the order. So they still get all the cool swag, but I don't have to Mm. do it all myself. Like I really thought a lot about this and it's the direction that I'm going to move here in the next couple months because it's just that, it's, it really takes away because I guess to circle around to your original question, like what does it look like when I don't have to do that? It looks like I can make more new product. I can spend more time on design. I can spend more time on being creative, which is what I'm not a very good artist. I suck in Photoshop and I suck in Adobe Illustrator, but I love doing creative work and I love creating sketches and design ideas and then sending them to my artist friends and getting to pay my friends who are artists to do beautiful work. That's my favorite thing. So if, if the, cause that's actually leading into my next question. If you, if you had that extra time on your hands because you weren't packing and shipping the orders, what is it that you would do next in the business that you think would be adding value? And we're talking about the jujitsu business here, right? Mm-hmm. What would you do next I, that you think would add the most value to that business? <clears throat> I've actually already bought the domain bjjanswerman.com. Mm. And in the next couple months here, once I take care of that, my next step is to launch a podcast, a five days a week, super short uh, Q&A, almost similar to Pat Flynn's like mm-hmm. Ask Pat podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just answering frequently asked questions. And then it, the show will be sponsored by OK Kimonos. So that'll be able to drive traffic there and just at least drive awareness and just be super helpful. Just finally add to the jujitsu community again without it being so much take. Gotcha. Um, Let's switch a little bit for a moment and talk about the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. So you started a podcast called Entrepreneurs and Coffee. Mm -hmm. Why, what was, first of all, how did you discover podcasts? What was your, what was your journey to discovering podcasts in the first place? You know, I'd love online radio for a while. And by online radio, I mean like uh, there's a website called ShareDog. Uh, 
and I think it's like it's, it's a guy named Jeff Sherwood or something. It's a mixed martial arts website, but they've had a radio show for dang probably eight years or something, seven or eight years on their sh- on their site. And I think they just used to upload an MP3 right to the site, and I would watch it and listen to it on there. But then I think I really got into podcasting. Uh, or at least listening to podcasts when I got an iPad at work. Mm. Like I was before I would have to like go to Pat Flynn's website and like right click it and save it to download it and all of this mess. And then eventually it was like, all right, now that I have an iPad for work, I can just use the app. And that's when I went head, you know, I went real deep in and that was a couple of years ago. And from there I just listened, listened, listened. And then I wanted to, you know, I'm a teacher by trade. It's what I love to do. I love to tell stories. I love to make friends. I love to talk to other people, exactly what we're doing right now, Troy. And it just seemed like a natural fit to be able to share the things that I cared about. You know, I love jujitsu, but what I've fallen in love with more than jujitsu is the business side of things, Mm. be that design, branding, marketing, um, it's just storytelling and then just like bigger picture ideas, like things that Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk talk about and things that I now get to talk about on my show. So, so entrepreneurs and coffee, was that, were you part of the, uh, were you a John Lee Damas follower and were you part of uh, podcast paradise before you launched entrepreneurs and coffee or did you launch the podcast first and then discover his program? You know, I, I'm very much a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. Uh, so this one, I actually did it right. I I aimed before I shot. So I set out a whole plan. I hired a podcast coach, and I went through the whole thing really proper. I got in Podcasters Paradise and tried to go through it as properly as possible uh, to lead to a solid launch. And I think that's the only reason that I've had success so far is just trying to not put the cart before the horse. Uh, well, based on because uh, so, what are you? You're at now episode fifty, is that right? Um, you know what? That's a that's a great question. I wish I knew offhand. I'm super far behind. <laughs> right. Well, so Just because, iTunes is telling me. Okay, iTunes is telling me you've got forty episodes that have been there you published. Go. Okay, which includes yep. today. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. Uh. So. Um. And, and and some I'm looking at some of the guests that you've got uh, that you've had on the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. which are, which are you know super impressive. Um, like I'm looking at you know Michael Hyatt, Gary Vaynerchuk, Hal Elrod. How, what's the what's the secret sauce if you like for getting guests like Michael Hyatt and and Gary Vaynerchuk on your podcast? I mean I'm imagining that you're an unknown to these guys. How do you reach out to them in the first place? And the reason I'm asking this is because a lot of our members and a lot of our audience. Uh, using content marketing to position themselves as like the go-to person in their in their community for you know being a digital solutions architect and you know using WordPress to deliver online solutions and they're constantly asking me questions about well you know when you blog and when you podcast how do you get the guests and I'm just curious as to how someone else goes about getting these big name guests in as part of their content. Um, well, I guess first I just want to caution, like big name guests are not, it's good because it gives you a lot of credibility, but as far as like really amazing content goes, it's not always the best just because a lot of times, and this isn't to disparage anybody I've worked with, but I've listened to a lot of podcasts and research for these people. Mm. And so a lot of times a big name guest, like they have talking points and no matter what you ask about, they're going to circle back to their talking points for whatever they're selling or whatever they have going on. And it's not really the best interview. It's like, wait, you're telling me the same things that I've heard you say on 20 other interviews. Like I'm trying to get some new stuff here. Um, So I wouldn't want that to hold anybody back. Get who you can get at the beginning and let that be what it is. Um, But as far as getting them, a couple ways, really, I'd, I'd give you three ways. Number one is engaging with them where they engage. Uh, I noticed, for instance, that there were some big name people that I would try and email or tweet and I couldn't get a really good response. But then I noticed uh, those people had just hopped on to Instagram. They were new on Instagram. So I I just followed them and just was really nice and friendly the same way you would be just in real life. Right. It's still real life. Just make friends. And I got a couple people that way that are, you know, Sean Stevenson from the Model Health Show. It's like a number one iTunes uh, 
health podcast and he's awesome. He has amazing tips like health wise for entrepreneurs. Um, and there's a couple other people that are really cool that I have coming up that I did that way. And then another one is finding out where they do talk going on Twitter. I hooked up with Hal Elrod that way. And Chris Brogan, like they talk on Twitter. Not everybody talks. They just advertise and push stuff out. But I think Twitter's for talking. And when you go on there and actually have conversations with them, they're really nice. They're just normal people. They're just very busy and have a lot of people that want their time. So if you're just super genuine, it really works that way. And then I think the last way is by doing, by being as authentic as possible. To be honest with you, and it's kind of, I guess it kind of comes off like a humble brag, but it's the truth. Gary Vaynerchuk's head of business development got a hold of me to have him on the show. Wow. He was like, look, I love your show. I had Gary check it out. He loves it. Uh, can he come on? And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to work that day. Yes, I'll take the. I don't care. Like, I'll take the day off. Just tell me when. Wow. So it was, you know, it was really nice that it worked out that way. But I, I guess I can only credit it to just putting my heart and soul into it and being super authentic. Um, so that's really, um, that's really fascinating that, um, you know, so, so what, what I guess what I'm curious about here is when you first start, when you first start a podcast, like no one's listening, right? You don't have an audience. Most people anyway, like you, you know, you starting a podcast as a way to build an audience. There must've been some times early on where you were podcasting and publishing and, and, you know, not getting a lot of feedback and you must've thought this is a complete waste of time. What is it that actually, what is it that kept you going when no, when, you know, seemingly no one else was paying attention? Well, you know what? My buddy, David Ralph, he has a podcast called Join Up Dots. And I love that he told me that when you're starting out, you actually don't want anybody watching because it's good that not a lot of people are going to see you screw up and bomb. <laughs> you know, I'm doing a webinar tomorrow and it's my first webinar ever. And my wife is talking to me and she's like, well, how many people are signed up? And I'm like, well, there's 50 people. And she's like, is that good? I'm like, it's it's about as many as I want, to be honest. I have no idea how this is going to go. I mean, I'm very confident in myself and I've done as much as I could to prep, but I have no idea what's going to happen. So let's just say that that's the perfect amount. So, uh, you know, you don't, when you're starting out, it's okay that your audience is small because you're probably going to look back. Hopefully if you're actually going to get good at this thing, you're going to look back at that early work and you're going to be like, Oh, that's terrible. Those podcasts were awful. You know, just, you know, I can use our mutual friend, John Lee Dumas, as an example. If you listen to John's latest episode, whatever episode he's on now, like 890,000, because <laughs> that guy's amazing, um, it's probably really good. But I would say, Troy, go back and check out John's episode one and two. Mm. They're horrible. Mm. They're like, he's robotic and he's just... He doesn't ask any follow-up questions. He's just reading off a script. And you can tell it's still the same structure as his episodes now, but it was a bad script. It's changed and gotten better over time. And I think a lot of people want to look at their chapter one and compare it to John's chapter 20. Yeah. Well, look, compare your chapter one to John's chapter one and then see where you are. And it'll make you feel, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that bad because this is where John was at when he started. It's a cool thing to look at. I agree. It's funny. I, I um, accidentally saw uh, we we used to be a video uh, podcast. In fact, up until recently, we were a video podcast. It's only the last half a dozen episodes that we've gone audio, and that's purely because the video was just such a time suck, and our analytics were tell was telling us that hardly anyone was watching the video, so we just kind of put that on the shelf. Um, but I accidentally was going through our Vimeo Pro account recently and saw like episode one of this particular podcast when it was a video podcast. And it was so, I mean, our guest was Brennan Dunn and he was awesome and he's full of great content, but I was bored watching me. <laughs> and <laughs> I just know, and, and you're right, like the format hasn't changed, but I'm just a lot more comfortable doing this now. And, um, you know, if I if I looked back at episode one and two when I did it with a critical eye and really analysed it, I probably wouldn't have done episode three. But, of course, I didn't analyse it. I just recorded it, published it, and let everyone else decide whether or not it was any good. And, you know, uh, I'm very grateful the fact that it's been well-received and we've got, we've you know, got a good podcast audience and here we are still doing it. So I absolutely agree with uh, with everything you're saying. And hey, I think, uh, you know, if, they're, if people are developing stuff for WordPress, like, it's okay that your stuff is kind of, like don't compare your stuff to like the best stuff out there. Like if you're just starting or whatever else, like it's okay if it's not that great right now, 
it doesn't have to be perfect. You'll, you will get better, but you have to put out, there's a really great thing that I would, you maybe you can put in the show notes or something, Troy, but the really great thing by Ira Glass. Oh yeah, I know it. Where it's, he talks yep. about like that taste. You have really awesome taste and your taste is so good that you can tell what you're making is kind of crappy. Yep. And you're like, uh, I don't like what I'm making, but it's okay. It'll get, it'll get better. Yeah. So there's a, is it, is it the video called The Gap by Ira Glass? Is that, I'm, I'm going to look that up and I'm going to put that in uh, the, the show notes. Um, yep. There is, there's, there's a couple of things that Ira Glass talks about. Uh, he talks about the taste, uh-huh. the taste gap and what every successful person knows, but never says. Um, yeah. So I'm going to put a, links to a couple of those things in, uh, in the show notes. Ira Glass, one of my favorite Podcasts. So the whole This American Life serial thing has really given podcasts a rebirth in the last 12 months or so, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it really has. And I think that that's good. Um, I just also think with podcasting right now, it's still very small. So it's kind of like with television advertising, you're not going to pull, or I, at least your TV channel, you're not going to pull in a new TV watcher. Like everybody watches TV. But you have to sort of think of it as like, whose audience am I stealing? And the same thing is true in podcasting, if we're honest. Most people only listen to like two or three podcasts. I listen to like 100, but I'm weird. Um, And if you're looking at building your audience for podcasting, you have to genuinely think like, whose audience am I taking away? Because they can't listen to me without dropping somebody else. And I think when you when you're honest about it like that, it makes things a little more real, and you can be a little bit you can understand that you do need to put out something amazing. You know, you have to be worthy of that. Yeah, that's it's good advice. Um, I'm going to put a link to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, we should do our lightning round uh, for those that don't know. WP Elevation is what do you mean for those that don't know? Everyone who's listening to this obviously knows <laughs> WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So I'm now going to ask Brendan a series of quick questions about freelancing and consulting and, and business in general. And uh, Brendan's hopefully going to give us some quick answers off the top of his head. Uh, what is the number one thing that any freelancer or consultant needs to know? I think the number one thing that they need to know is that it all, it's all about the relationships always. I will always pay more money and give more business to my friends than to a stranger. So it's all about the relationships that you have and it's not in a spammy or scammy way. Like just be friends, just make a ton of friends and then you'll get recommended. People will give you business. Most of the time, if you think about on Facebook and somebody's like, Hey, do you know anybody who can help me with WordPress, the response isn't like, this guy does great work. Mm. It's usually like, go with Troy. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, that's so true, man. It's so true. Um, What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? I went where they were. I, I spent a lot of time finding out where the eyeballs were and where the ears were, and I went there. That is great advice. Uh, How do you stop competing on price? I think you have to be willing to offer something that nobody else is offering. With my jujitsu company, I offer all of the extra crazy packaging and I send out silly emails. Like you get your confirmation email is not just like a generic one. It tells an insane story that I made up after drinking a boatload of coffee and giggling a lot about this journey that your uniform has gone on through like on a raft, a bamboo raft and Zen packing specialist putting in a, there's a jet and like Mario brothers are in there. It's nuts, but I'll send it to you. It's, it's crazy, but it's all based on this email that Derek Seavers from CD baby. He sent, it's literally like changed for me and my preferences. Yeah. And I send that out to everybody because I'm not going to compete on price. I just refuse to. It's why I suck at getting wholesale accounts because I'm not going to drop my prices to compete with the cheapest guys. If they want the cheapest ones, they can have it. But I'm going to offer that experience that, you know, the 90s trading cards. So I compete on that. Yeah, that's awesome. Derek Sivers is uh, one of my heroes, by the way. I, I was I had the very good fortune of interviewing him on a previous podcast of, of mine that ultimately failed. Um, but, but it was a great interview and it's still up live somewhere. So I'm actually going to link to that in the show notes as well because I just love Derek Sivers. He is an awesome dude. Um, wh- uh, any tips on writing better proposals? 
So I guess my my best experience with this is pitching uh, for wholesale and things like that. Mm. And I think if you're going to write a proposal, you need to do a very good job finding out what they need and what they want and discovering the difference between the two. Because a lot of times people will say they want this thing or that some other thing, but really what they need for their site, you know, sell them what they want and give them what they need. Exactly. That is, uh, you you know, please, listeners, I promise you, I did not send Brendan the script in advance here. <laughs> I, is that I, the same thing you said? Well, I actually say, uh, tell them what they want to hear so you can sell them, so you tell them what they want to hear so you can give them what they need to know. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's so true. Like nobody, nobody actually wants what, nobody wants what they need. They want what they want, right? And, uh, but, right. But, but that's not actually what they need because if you give them what they want, they're probably no closer to, you know, it's like the Band-Aids. It's like the short-term solution, but it's actually not getting them any closer to what they actually need. But if you start telling them about what they need, they're just going to lose their interest because it's, you know, they're just bombarded with noise and there's far more things out there that are more appealing than what it is they need. It's like, you know, when you wake up in the morning and on your to-do list, there's one thing that you just don't want to do. And that's the first thing that you should do because that's the thing that you actually need to do. All the other stuff is just enjoyment and stuff that you want to do, but it's not actually the highest value task. Usually the highest value task is the thing that you need to do and the, the one thing that you really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Do you, uh, do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM management? You know, I think I'm – no. <laughs> it's the worst answer ever. It's probably another shortfall in my business. I just don't. I don't have anything that I use to kind of manage that stuff. Cool. I, look, so I'll I've, just. I've had entrepreneurs. Strength, on the, I've had entrepreneurs on the show say they use Gmail as their CRM. So. <laughs> yep. Pretty. That's pretty much where I'm at. Awesome. Uh, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Um. I think if you want to keep a client on track, like if you're doing, if they've hired you as a freelancer for WordPress and you want to keep them on track is to, I know this might sound counterproductive because I don't know what your, your thoughts on this, Troy. I'm excited to hear what you're going to say is I would limit the amount of contact. And I know this is kind of just a gut reaction, but as far as making myself constantly available for everything, mm-hmm. I see that as a huge pitfall when you're a freelancer because then it becomes, I want this, I want that, change this thing, change the pixel size to this and that and the other mm-hmm. versus I'm going to limit our contact and make it very intentional. We're going to have a 15-minute Skype call. We're going to have a 30-minute Skype call. We're going to do this or that or the other thing versus it being a constant churn of back and forth and changes and changes and changes and changes. Um, by limiting that contact and letting them know my time is very important, my time is very valuable, they'll then value your product more and not want to mess with it so much. I absolutely agree 100%. In fact, one of the things that we implemented in our business was uh, we have an onboarding process that sets that expectation from the start and we also have some automation that that, um, keeps our cl- we, we keep in touch with our clients so that they don't come asking how things are going. So every two days they'll get an email that says, hey, we're working on X, Y, Z, you know, just to let you know it's in good hands, it's under control, we'll be in touch shortly. And that those automated updates uh, generally keep the client happy because the client just wants to know that something's happening and that it's under control. Um, and I absolutely agree. You know, the biggest the biggest, most positive impact that I ever, the, the one thing that made the most positive impact on my business was about three years ago, I put my phone on silent and it's been on silent ever since. I just do not answer my phone and I very rare, I check my emails when I'm ready to check my emails. I'm just not available for people to get to all the time because if you are always available and I think it's fear of missing out that drives mm-hmm. us to make ourselves always available. But if you're always available, you don't actually get anything done. No, especially with when you consider things like, uh, I can imagine with, with WordPress and stuff like that, and when you get into that zone of the work you're doing and then you get yanked out of it, it takes a little bit of time to get back into it. So you also have to count that as lost time as well. So being able to stay in that zone as long as possible would be really, really valuable. Yeah, exactly. Um, any ideas for getting referrals? Yeah, uh, a big thing that I've done that I would advise anybody to do is make it as easy as possible. Uh, and that could be anywhere from hopping out, like actually in a one-on-one, you know, Hey Troy, thanks, you know, for chatting with me today. Is there anybody else that you know that, you know, you think I could be a value to them, make it really easy and then give them kind of a, a value add. 
Uh, so another way you could make it easy is with like, hey, if you want to send out this tweet, like make a click to tweet button mm-hmm. somewhere where they literally just click it. it com- the tweets there, they just click that button and then click tweet and they can send out, you know, they can share with their friends. Hey, I'm working with this awesome person. If you need help with this, you could even insert hashtags in there. Uh, that would be helpful for you, whatever. Um, and then what did I say? Making it super easy for them and then just... I guess giving them is a value add like, hey, I'd love to hop on the phone for 15 or 20 minutes with somebody else uh, that you would recommend to me and just see how I can help them. I'm not trying to pitch them anything or whatever. You know, yeah. if they're happy with your service, they'll be like, sure, yep. this guy needs help. And maybe you answer a couple free questions. It doesn't turn into anything. Yeah. But now you have that person on your list of people to stay in touch with. Yep. Awesome. Uh, and final question in the elevation round, what's the number one thing that you can do to differentiate yourself? So I think then if you are becoming one of those me too kind of freelancers or developers where it's like, all right, everybody's making this kind of plugin. I'm going to make this. Everybody's doing this kind of thing with WordPress. I'm going to do that. I don't do what everybody else is doing. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you need to go into a cave for three or four months and make something amazing and just hope it works. But I think you'd be surprised, Troy, how few people actually get out there and get on Skype and get in like Reddit or wherever people are and find out what they're struggling with, what they need and what they need help with, and then helping them with that stuff. By differentiating yourself, building that kind of personal brand of like, hey, I'm here to help. What are you struggling with? You'll eventually figure out that a lot of people are all struggling with the same crap, and then you can create something that'll fix that. Yep. Or you can just, you know, if you're a freelancer still, you can just fix it for them over and over and over and over again. And it'll get to be a really, really lucrative thing for you because you'll understand exactly how that problem works, exactly how to fix it, and then just keep improving that process. So I think differentiating yourself by being one of the few people who's not try, you know, go old school, you know, old school business development, just get out there and ask. Yep. Great advice. And a nice segue too, actually, into our competition. <laughs> uh, so Brendan has very kindly sponsored a, uh, a Skype session with himself to help you with whatever it is you're struggling with in your business right now. Uh, and I like the fact that you're out. I like the fact that you're not a WordPress consultant. And I was excited to have you on the podcast for that reason, because I actually think you can learn a lot about what uh, we can we can borrow from other industries and other business models and apply it to what we're doing. So I'm really excited to hear how uh, whoever wins this prize, um, uh, that you know the the kind of end result of the conversation they have with you and any breakthroughs that that you help them facilitate. So in order to enter the competition this week, leave a comment underneath this podcast episode and tell Brendan the number one thing that you are struggling with right now in your business. So what is the biggest pain in the neck problem you've got right now in business? And I'll get Brendan to swing by and. Um, leave some comments and also uh, a couple of weeks after the podcast award that prize um, and the this episode if you're just listening to it if you're around walking the dog or commuting on the train this episode will be at wpelevation.com slash brendan hufford which is b-r-e-n-d-a-n H-U-F-F-O-R-D, all one word, all lowercase, WPElevation.com slash Brendan Hufford. Hey, Brendan, um, what's the future for your jiu-jitsu business and entrepreneurs and coffee? Where do you think this whole thing will be in 12 months' time? Okay, I'll answer that in one second. I'm really excited to ask you a question, though, first. Sure. What, tr- what, Troy, is the most number of comments you've gotten on any of your podcasts so far? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. Like, it'd be maybe... Oh, I should probably know this, shouldn't I? Um, but, you know, I don't. May, I don't know, maybe 20? Okay, I want to beat it. Okay. I want, I, I, I so adamantly want to get the most, I want to be, you, as far as like the contest goes, I want to, this to be the post on your site that has the most comments. All right. So I just want to encourage anybody who's out there, if you have just a minute, I know my name is long and hard to figure out. <laughs> it's worth it because I'm going to literally answer all of your questions that are on this on the thread for the show notes. Right. And also that with a 30 minute call, we can really dig down and figure out what you're struggling with 
and how to fix that. And you'll see a, a dramatic increase with actionable advice that you can you, you can really implement today and see benefit from. So I want, I want to beat that 20. All right, well, I, well, actually, uh, including replies, the most comments we've had is 33, which is episode 72, and it was the three guys from Beaver Builder. And that was only like a couple of weeks ago on the 12th of March. So uh, by the time this episode gets published, which will be in, I think, May or June sometime. Um, so as of now, we're looking to beat 33 comments on this episode. So everyone listening, make sure you get to wpelevation.com slash Brendan Hufford, and let's make this the most commented post and uh, I like the challenge man I like your style let's do it so in the future other than answering comments on (laughs) this on the show notes for this podcast uh the future for me is just continuing to grow and scale uh you know at some point I'll probably outsource the editing of my podcast so I can spend more time on creating I'll probably uh, outsource different things in my business. Um, and not just outsource, like have some random person do it, but just build better systems. I'm very much a hustler and a grinder. I come from like a wrestling and grappling background. So it's kind of my MO to just go head down and do the work, but I need to continue to work smarter and live smarter, not just live harder. So my future is all around that. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for spending uh, almost 50 minutes here with us on the WP Elevation podcast. Uh, Where can people reach out, uh, besides the comments, where can people reach out and get in touch with you online? You know, the best place to check it out, uh, check me out, is just brendanhufford.com. If they go to brendanhufford.com slash podcast, if they're interested in anything entrepreneurial, that's where my podcast is at. Um, and then if they, you know, I do a lot of webinars, just free stuff for people. If they go to brendanhufford.com slash webinar, uh, it'll take them to a link for the latest webinar, the most recent one. So whether they listen to this podcast the day it comes out or six months after it comes out, they can still go to that link and they'll be able to get, you know, a ton of free info for me and hop on a webinar live with me. Awesome. Uh, and final question, who would you like me to try and interview on this podcast and why? You know what? I would love for you to interview Chase Reeves. Oh, yeah. From Fizzle. Yes, right. Yes. Good. He's my, I don't know why. I just feel like he's my favorite person on the internet. So cool. I, and I love Fizzle. Uh, so there you go. Chase Reeves of Fizzle.co. I'm coming to get you courtesy of Brendan Hufford. So keep your eyes on your inbox and we will get you on the podcast. That's an awesome suggestion, man. Thank you because he's been on my radar for a while and no one has suggested him yet. So we're going to add him to the list. Awesome. Beautiful. Hey, thanks again for being a part of the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate your time and I wish you all the best for the future and look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks again, Troy, and I'll see all of you guys in the comments. Thanks, Brendan. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals. You can get the plug-in for just $1 for your first month by going to videousermanuals.com slash podcast. Support for WP Elevation also comes from Audible. You can get your free audio book and a free 30-day trial by visiting wpelevation.com slash audible. That's wpelevation.com slash audible. Please subscribe to the WP Elevation podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating and a review. Everything we spoke about and all the links for this episode will be at wpelevation.com slash Brendan Hufford. That's B-R-E-N-D-A-N-H-U-F-F-O-R-D wpelevation.com slash Brendan Hufford is where you'll find the show notes for this episode and remember to leave your comment underneath the podcast and tell Brendan the number one thing you are struggling with in your business right now whatever it is the number one struggle you have in your business right now and I'll get Brendan to swing by and award that prize of a complimentary consultation with himself on Skype and hopefully he can help you overcome some of those roadblocks hey next week on the podcast we have Jonathan Christopher Uh, from irontoiron.com. He's also the author of clientwp.com, developing WordPress websites uh, with a client-centric focus, and also from mondaybynoon.com. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Until next week, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate.